Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of St. Luke's in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses, and under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you now to join us for a message of hope. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself hearing, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is the word of the Lord. musical, Mamma Mia, has been seen by more than 65 million people. It opened on West End in London back in 1999. It has now been running for 24 years. It has been performed almost 10,000 times. I went online and I checked and they're selling tickets for March 2024. So it's going to make its 25th anniversary consecutive of being there in West End in London. And you know, I got to thinking, wouldn't that be a fun trip? <laughs> to be there for that 25th anniversary performance? Anyway, I got to looking at that and thinking, this, this could be fun. What an exciting time it's made it. It opened on Broadway in 2001. And in 2001, it, it again took Broadway by storm. It was there for 14 years. It has, was performed 5,773 times. It was so successful they decided to make it into a movie in 2008 with such an all-star cast. And again, it was such a successful movie that came out that they decided to make a sequel and it came out in 2018. Mamma Mia, here we go again. As of to date, Mamma Mia has now grossed over $4 billion. I mean, $4 billion. The brainchild, this was the brainchild of Judy Kramer. Judy Kramer, back in the 1980s, was actually working as the assistant for Tim Rice. Tim Rice was involved in musical theater. He had been working with Andrew Lloyd Webber, helping to create Jesus Christ Superstar and Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But now that he was through with that, he wanted something more on his own and different, and he created a, a musical called Chess. It was sort of a spy thriller. Well, he's working on Chess, and he needs some help with the music, and so he turns to two men 
Benny Anderson, and Bjorn uh, Ulvaeus. These were the two men of Abba. It was Judy who had the responsibility of going to the airport and picking Bjorn and Benny up. Well, let me tell you, Judy Kramer doesn't go to the airport to pick anybody up anymore. But that was her job in that day, and so she went to the airport to get them when they came to town to help work on this uh, musical, and she got to know them, had the opportunity to visit with them. And so while she's talking with them and getting to know them over the coming weeks and months, she approaches them and says, I have an idea. Why don't we take your music from the 1970s and let's turn it into a musical? Now, usually, whenever you write a musical, you start with someone's writing the storyline, and then you start writing music to help the story move along, and you put it in at certain places. This was going to be totally different. We're going to take a body of music, work already done, that is totally unrelated, and now we're going to come back and write a story that somehow grabs these different pieces of music and let it all make sense into a story. I just think that is fascinating to think that they're going to take that approach. Well, they came to Benny and Bjorn and said, this is what we want to do. And they said, I don't think so. They didn't like the idea. They were concerned about the music they'd created and the, they were proud of it and it meant so much. They said, not right now. Well, now you need to understand the people from whom this music is coming, Benny and Bjorn. They first met back in 1966, and they formed a, a team working together. And they really started creating some great music. They were trying to get some traction, though, and were having a hard time when each of them independently met some women. Bjorn happened to meet um, Anietta, and Anietta Falstock, and she was a solo singer trying to get her career going. And Benny had met Anna Frieda. Anna Frieda um, Lindstad. She too was working as an independent soloist trying to get her career going. And so the, the, the two became couples and really enjoyed each other. And they now started vacationing and traveling and hanging out together. And they had an opportunity. There was a, a fair that was going on. And they had the opportunity to perform. And since all four of them were musicians and doing it, they performed as a group. And when they got through, they went, we were good. That worked. I mean, the two women sounded so good to each other. And they really played off each other. And the guys were having such a good time and getting into the energy. It's like, this worked. So they decided to form their band. The band came after the relationships. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't they formed a band and discovered, oh, we really do love each other. No, it was they'd started forming these relationships and formed the band, and they decided to name it, and they named it by coming up with the first letter of everybody's name. And that was Benny and Bjorn and Anna and Anietta, A-A-B-B. So they came up with Abba. And that's where the name came from. The problem was, this was the early 1970s, and Sweden was not known for the hotbed of great music. 
if someone sent out a demo tape and they were a pop singer from Sweden, it usually went straight into the garbage can. But there was a thing called Eurovision. And Eurovision is kind of like America's Got Talent. That's not a new idea. It was going on in 1974 when any musician in Europe could actually come and be in this competition and then the people voted and someone would win. They got in. They had enough material. They'd been kind of getting known. They were allowed to compete. Now this wasn't for people who were already stars. The whole idea is you're kind of the up and comer. Well, Abba already knew that they weren't going to win because that year the one of the contestants was Olivia Newton-John. You know, Olivia Newton-John actually died one year ago, almost right now, 73. But Olivia Newton-John was already in America. She was singing, had a career here. She was starting to build, but she hadn't had the big breakthrough. Um, Greece was still several years away. And she's from Cambridge, England. And so it's the kind of thing that she qualified because that's where her citizenship is. And so she was allowed to participate in Eurovision and she was competing that year and they knew maybe we'll get third, fourth. Well, they showed up that year and they sang the song you were hearing a moment ago, Waterloo. That was the song they sang at their competition in Eurovision and it rocked the house. And they won. Against all odds, they won Eurovision 1974. And that catapulted them into people's awareness. And they followed up Waterloo with a song, Mamma Mia. And then take a chance on me. And then I have a dream. And then Dancing Queen. Well, they're suddenly producing these songs one after another. And then they took a tour down to Australia. And in Australia, it was a huge hit. Streets were lined, people were screaming, sold out stadiums. It really solidified them as a successful pop group. And they came home and kept turning out one hit after another. It was quite a run for 10 years. In the end, Agnetha and uh, Bjorn, they were married, they had two children, and Annie Frieda, they called her Frieda, uh, and Benny were married, they did not have children. But after 10 years, you know, I don't think you can appreciate what that life would be like, where everybody knows you and is pulling on you, and you're traveling, and nothing is your own time, I, I don't know. But after 10 years, it took a toll on their relationships. It took a toll on their life. And in the end, both couples got divorced. And it was really a hard time. So that's what was happening in the early 1980s. So when Judy approached Benny and Bjorn in the early 1980s saying, let's use your music from the 70s to do this musical, that's why they said, no, not interested. But she didn't quit. It went on for 10 years, 10 years. And one night Bjorn had gone to West End and saw the musical Grease. And for whatever reason, when he came out of the theater, something clicked inside and he thought, we need to do this. 
And he called Benny and said, what do you think? And he still wasn't so sure. They didn't even bother to reach out to the women. They sung it all, but these two guys had written it all. And finally they said, okay, if you can be producers, executive producers, if you can say no to anything they suggest or any song that they want to sing, if you can be in control, then would you do it? And they said, yes. So that was the agreement. And they set to work on creating Mamma Mia. In the end, Judy Kramer put together her team, Christine Johnson to be the writer, Felidia Lloyd to be the director. So the creation of Mamma Mia was by three strong women. They wrote it, produced it, directed it, and finally it opened in 1999. What most people don't realize is it actually opened on the 25th anniversary of when ABBA won Eurovision. And so it opened to great acclaim and was so incredibly successful and positive. As I said, $4 billion in income. 65 million have seen it. And if 65 million people have seen it, and maybe you're one of, one of 10 people here today who has not seen it, <laughs> I think I probably need to set the storyline for you. It's the story of a young woman named Sophie. She's 20 years old. She's been raised by her mother, Donna. She's a single mom. They live on a small island in Greece. Her mother runs an inn. They don't have much. They've been poor, but they have a great love. And now Sophie has fallen in love and she wants to get married. The only problem is she's never met her dad. She doesn't know who her dad is. And because she doesn't know who her dad is, she feels that something's missing on the inside. But then she finds her mother's diary. And when she reads through her diary, she discovers there are three men who could be her father. And so she writes to all three men without telling her mother and writes under her mother's name and invites them to come to the wedding and they all make the decision to come. She's doing it because she feels that something is missing in her life. She wants to know what it means to be loved by her father, believing that if she is loved by her father, it will free her to pursue her dreams. The Apostle Paul would probably agree with Sophie. For the Apostle Paul would write to the people in Rome and he would say, When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When we cry, Abba, Father. You know, the Hebrew word Abba comes from, first of all, Ab, which means father. Abba means the personalized. It means more translated daddy. And for Paul to put these two words together, Abba, father, he is saying you need to cry to your father, God Almighty, the omnipotent one, the creator of heaven and earth, the holy one 
you and I come to worship a Father who is your Abba, your Daddy, the one who calls you by name, that you are a child of God. It's not just the Holy One and the Creator of the universe. It's Daddy, the one who loves you as his child. And so we come and cry, Abba, Father. When you know what it means to be loved by Almighty God and you feel like a child of your daddy, it does change how you feel on the inside and how you approach life, no question. As I started digging into this musical, you know, I, I started wondering about it because as I, as I looked at it, I found, did you know Mama Mia has been performed on six continents, 50 different countries, 170 cities, translated into 26 languages. This is around the world. And you can do as I did. I went on YouTube and started trying to look up performances of, uh, of Mamma Mia. And it's really interesting to watch Mamma Mia performed in Japanese. I don't understand anything that's being said. But you know it's the same story, even though it's such a different language. You can watch it performed in, in German and in French. And I'm watching all these different ones and thinking, I don't understand the language but it's the same story, and it is relating to all these people in these different cultures, different countries around the world. Why? And then I thought, you know, the gospel has related to people in different countries around the world for 2,000 years, different cultures. Why? Because there's some fundamental thing that it's speaking to our soul. That's what I begin trying to dig out. What is it speaking to? And I had three things that I began to see. First of all, I think the musical talks to us about how relationships evolve and you need to trust love. Relationships evolve. They change. It's going to happen. Your relationship, what it's like if you're newly married, well, that relationship is going to be different when you've been married for 10 years. It'll be different if you've been married for 50 years. The relationship you have with a toddler is going to be different than the relationship you have with a grown child. The relationship you have with a friend you just met will be different from the relationship you have with a friend you've known all your life. Relationships evolve. And relationships bring you great joy and meaning but they can also bring you great pain. There are misunderstandings. There is hurt, separation, sometimes divorce. But there's also forgiveness and reconciliation. And I've come to believe that as relationships evolve, if you trust love, then in the end, relationships become different, but they can still bring you meaning and joy. They look different, 
there's good times and hard times, ups and downs. But if you trust love, they still come to bring you meaning and joy. And maybe if you're in one of those times where right now it's really hard and you are feeling separation and hurt, that's the time you need to remember to cry, Abba, Father. It's the time you turn to where you know that you were loved. Paul would say, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation. Abba, Father, the Holy One, Almighty God, Daddy, who loves you, to know that you are loved. What a difference it would make. You know, the people of Abba, their lives were interesting as they unfolded, as they went their separate ways. They said, you know, we never broke up really as a band. We just started doing our own thing. They got divorced. It turned out that Anietta never remarried. She was a mother to her two children, and she withdrew. The tabloids were so tough. And, and Frida, well, she kind of had her own singing career for a little while, but again, the, the tabloids were so mean, and she withdrew. In the end, in Switzerland, she met and married a German prince. And they fell in love, and life was great. And then he developed cancer and died at 49 years old. And she knew such great grief again in her life. Now, people would ask Bjorn all the time, will y'all ever perform again? And he said, no, you will never see Abba on stage again. But in 2016, Benny and Bjorn were celebrating 50 years of being friends, 50 years of working together and creating this incredible body of work. And so they're having this special party to honor this anniversary. And that night, two guests showed up that were unanticipated, and that was Anna Frida, and that was Anietta. And they sang, and it just blew everybody away. Well, the two guys were so taken back. They started kind of reaching out and keeping in touch and visiting. And about two years had gone by, and finally the guy said, you know, I wonder if the, if the girls would love to get together and do some recording in the studio like we used to do. Nah. We could ask. And they asked them. And they said yes. So in 2018, they got together, and they started trying to just sing and have some fun and the guy said their voices were so beautiful and the energy was so high it was just like old times and so Benny and Bjorn said what if we cut a single let's just do two sides like for a single but we won't tell anybody and so they recorded two songs and it was so good they said maybe we ought to do a whole album and so they kept working on doing an album, and they didn't let anybody know. Until finally in 2021, they announced to the world, ABBA has their 19th album, or their ninth album, ready to release, called Voyage. And they released their album, Voyage. And it sold a million copies in one week. That year it became named 
Grammy's number one record of the year in 2021. And the foundational song on their album was, I Still Have Faith in You. I want to read you the song. I still have faith in you. I see it now through all these years. That faith lives on somehow. There was a union of heart and mind, the likes of which are rare and oh so hard to find. Do I have it in me? I believe it is in there. For I know I hear a bittersweet song in the memories we share. I still have faith in you. And I will say, I never really thought I'd feel this way. But I remind myself of who we are. How inconceivable it is to reach this far. Do I have it in me? I believe it is in there. For I know I hear a bittersweet song in the memories we share. We do have it in us. New spirit has arrived, the joy and the sorrow. We have a story, and it survived. We need one another like fighters in the ring. We're in this together. Passion and courage is everything. I still have faith in you. It stands above the crazy things we did. It all comes down to love. Secondly, our relationships evolve because time is passing by. And we all know it, but we sometimes don't seize it. Time is passing by, and so our relationships are evolving. And we can become so distracted by all these other things around us that we forget to be in the moment, that this is the moment to love, that this is the moment to be making the memories because time is going by. One of the most powerful songs in the, in the musical um, is Slipping Through My Fingers. Again, it was written by Bjorn. And it actually came about because with all the touring he's doing around the world, he happened to be at home one time when his daughter Linda, seven years old, was going off to the first day of school. And as she headed off to go to school, backpack in hand, she kind of had this smile over her shoulder as she said goodbye. And it just hit him like a ton of bricks. My little girl, seven years old, is heading off to school. Time is slipping through my hands. And so he sat down and he wrote the song. Now, if you watch the musical, you'll see that now it's Donna who sings the song to her daughter, Sophie, on her wedding day. And it's perfect. If you've ever had a child getting married, you will feel this. It'll move you to tears. For you have that moment when you're knowing this child is getting married and you start looking back over life and you're thinking of all the things you wanted to do and you didn't do. And you start feeling guilty. But then you realize there's only so many things you can do and there were the good things you did, but you feel guilty that you didn't do more and yet you love what you did. And sometimes it's hard. How important it is to be in that present moment. So you know that it's written for a seven-year-old daughter heading off to school by Bjorn, but it's sung by a mother for her daughter getting married and you hear the words. 
School bag in hand, she leaves home in the early morning, waving goodbye with an absent-minded smile. I watched her go with a surge of that well-known sadness, and I have to sit down for a while. Feeling that I'm losing her forever, and without really entering her world, I'm glad whenever I can share her laughter, that funny little girl. Sleep in her eyes, her and me at the breakfast table, barely awake, I let precious time go by. Then when she's gone, there's that odd melancholy feeling and a sense of guilt I can't deny. What happened to that wonderful adventure, the places I had planned for us to go? Or did some of that we did, but mostly we didn't? And why? I just don't know. Slipping through my fingers all the time. I try to capture every minute. That's Paul who would say to the people in Rome, having gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us, you know what hour it is and how it was the full time for you to wake from sleep. You know the hour it is and it's time to wake from sleep. When he talks about this, he doesn't use the Greek word um, chronos. Chronos is all about hours and minutes. He uses the word kairos, which is the experiential time. Kairos time. Be in the moment. It's about experiential. It's not about counting minutes and hours. Do you understand the hour? It's time to wake. This is the time to cry, Abba, Father, Holy God, Daddy, to know that you are loved and to love because your relationships are evolving. You know, this summer, we had a, a, some good times. It turned out that Krista, our son Paul's wife, came to Oklahoma City with our two grandchildren. They came so that she could see her mother, um, who lives here in Oklahoma City, Charlotte, and we got to be with her and the kids but then when we left, Paul didn't get to come. He was working, and so we flew out to Bend, Oregon, and we went out there, and it was just the three of us, uh, Marsha, me, and Paul, and we had a good time. We traveled out to Crater Lake there in Oregon and just saw some times. We went to church with him on that Sunday uh, to see his church and meet his friends. And, and I just have to say, being with him was so strange. Forty years old. 40 years old, married, two kids. He's a vascular surgeon. Multiple times when we were together, I just kept thinking, where did the time go? How did it go by? I told you how Kelly and Andy, our daughter and son-in-law, they'd moved back to Oklahoma City. And they left when Kelly was pregnant with Luke, our oldest grandchild grandson and they left and went to Philadelphia and they've been gone for 18 years and now they've moved back and in just about two weeks he leaves to go to school at the University of Illinois and we're also very excited for him and he's heading off to college and I think how can I have a grandchild heading off to college at the University of Illinois where did the time go 
He's been driving routes for uh, Meals on Wheels this summer here for the church. It can't be. But it made me remember one of the stories that I will always remember. You have some of those in your life. And it happened about five years ago. Kelly and them lived up in Colorado. We were out there in Beaver Creek. We invited them to come over to a place we were staying that had kind of a, a rec room where you could have a movie and close the doors and it's quiet and you could watch a movie. I was working on St. Luke's on Broadway and that year we were going to be doing the musical Frozen. And I had never seen Frozen. And so I, I said to the grandkids, do you all have the DVD of Frozen? And they looked at me and they said, CB, does Santa Claus live at the North Pole? <laughs> I say that to them all the time. Well, boy, they got it back at me. And I said, yes, they have frozen. They said, they've seen it probably a hundred times. And I said, fine, bring it with you. I need to see it. Can we see it together? And so we went into the room and we plugged in the movie. And I was sitting there beside my youngest granddaughter, Millie. And we were sitting beside each other and the movie started up and suddenly she reached up and she just took hold of my hand. And now we're holding hands and I'm watching Frozen and early on the mom and dad of Anna and Elsa heads off in a ship and the winds are blowing and the seas are getting bigger and I leaned over to Millie and I said, this isn't looking good. And she was very deadpan and matter of fact. And she looked up and said, they die. <laughs> okay, okay. They did. And so we keep watching this movie and she's holding my hand. But I'm having a hard time concentrating on as the story continues to unfold because now I just keep thinking to myself, we all do. We all do. Slipping through my fingers. It's about living in the moment this moment of time when you remember that you are loved by God and you choose to love others, that's how you're in the moment as your relationships evolve. And so third, I think why this resonates with people so much is because it tells us that you can overcome fear with love. The musical opens up and Sophie's afraid. She's afraid to leave the island. She's staying there. Her, she's singing, I have a dream. And the dream is to find her father and to know that she is loved. That's the dream. But as the musical goes on, she begins to discover how her relationship's revolving with her mother. No longer is it as a young child and a mom. Now it's a mom with an adult and the adult has a new appreciation for her mom and a and sees her mom in a whole new way and loves her in a deeper way, that relationship evolved. And she felt the love of her friends who came to the island to celebrate her wedding. She feels the love of Skye, her fiancé. And in the end, she feels the love 
of three fathers. And once she knows she's loved, well, she's not afraid to go find her dreams. The musical ends with her leaving the island. She and Skye are heading out across the water at night. That's very symbolic. We're going at night. It is dark. We're going into the unknown. And she is singing how I have a dream. I have a dream, a song to sing, to help me cope with anything. If you see the wonder of a fairy tale, you can take the future, even if you fail. I believe in angels, something good in everything I see. I believe in angels when I know that time is right for me. I'll cross the stream. I have a dream. Paul said, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit Himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you know that you are a child of God, when you are able to cry, Father, Almighty, Holy One, Abba, Daddy, and you know you are loved, it will change something on the inside and you don't have to be afraid to pursue your dream. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of St. Luke's Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses. Learn all about St. Luke's different services and programs on our website, stlukesokc.org. We trust you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week.